This podcast is shareable. Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Today on Shareable, I'm excited to share this conversation with my guest, Dr. Joey. Dr. Joey, how are you? I'm trying to be good again today, Jeff. I got a few hours left in my day, so maybe uh, maybe I'll find good. I'm going to take as much of that remaining energy you got uh, for this show because it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm always energetic. Yeah, I'm I'm so delighted to be on with you. had such a great time on Rogue right true for those that haven't listened listen to dr joey over on rogue he shares a superpower with us uh but today uh for those that aren't familiar with you yet what are a few of the most important things uh you could tell someone about you kind of give your your introduction what about bio here um one i have a whole lot of fun whatever i'm doing uh two my favorite nickname is pops uh to my three-year-old granddaughter uh, number three is I'm a culture architect. I absolutely love, love, love helping companies through coaching create a culture where everybody wants to come to work for them. Right on. So those are my top three. How about that? Well, we're going to explore and uh, take apart some of those things. Um, oh, so let me ask you the big question I ask everyone at the beginning of Shareable. I think it's a really okay. nice way to get deep into how someone thinks and what somebody's about. Uh, and I'm excited to hear your answer about this. But what is the dent you wish to make in the universe? Oh, wow. Now, that wasn't one of the questions you sent me here. I, I've got my handy-dandy handwritten notes here about the uh, the four questions. Okay, so a dent. A dent I want to make in the universe. Hmm, you did this on purpose. You caught me off guard, didn't it? Um, my dent is to find um, the pivot point with people and groups of people, so organizations, companies, and things like that where they can find their sweet spot and discover what it is they're here to be about and do. So that, that would be a huge dent. I mean, that would be like a crater, like let's make a great lake dent, right? Because uh, man, we're all here for a reason. There are almost 8 billion of us. No two of us exactly alike, Jeff. And that's, there's a reason for that. And so mm-hmm. just helping persons and companies discover that reason and then maximize that potential that that gets me out of bed in the morning and keeps me awake at night i love it man take me one step deeper on that let's say that you did that let's say that with every person you're able to touch you're able to help them connect to and find that thing Hmm. how does that how do you see that changing reshaping uh impacting the way that we experience this time that we all have here together what what do you see that Hmm. leading to like the kind the, the and then what question right i got it man uh thanks because that's the natural logical outgrowth the intended consequence if you will lots of unintended consequences right this one's intended um first of all we would pay a lot less attention to 
our differences and the things that divide us and a lot more attention to our common loves and those things which make us unique, but yet in the midst of all that unify us. Um, and, and so number two, the tone and subject matter of conversations would be so different than what we see on a national international scale right now, as well as a community scale, um, because we would be unified around the things that are important, uh, at least based on my value system, which are, you know, healthy people physically, healthy people relationship wise, healthy people mentally, uh, making sure everybody's got enough to eat. And, um, you know, it, it's just those kinds of things that would change the tone and tenor of conversations, as well as communities and just helping. I, and I guess this is my third thing, Jeff, belonging would be more important than anything. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I would belong to each other. We'd know why we belong to each other. We'd be able to disagree without going to war with each other, right? But just uh, way beyond tolerance, respect, honoring each other, and just helping each other. Okay, I'm back to my dent now, right? Helping each other grow and develop and maximize that potential. I love it. So the way that you do this now, you work with companies, you work with individuals. You help them mm -hmm. find that pivot point. A lot mm -hmm. of the outgrowths of that is you know, one helping people to feel this sense of connection with their purpose and their why. There's mm -hmm. also this piece around helping companies to utilize that sort of way of thinking to attract top talent. You mm -hmm. do work in helping to create cultures. Mm -hmm. And I want to explore kind of a couple of these avenues with you and let you even open up some new ones I may not have thought of here. But mm -hmm. I want to go back and kind of help paint the picture for why this is important to you. So you mentioned this dent. Everybody's dent, I think, is a reflection in some way of something that either they felt was lacking for them or something that they see as a huge opportunity in the world to change and make things better because they see a problem. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm curious where that comes from with each person. And for you, we've spoken a number of times, and I'm just always drawn to your, your uh, contagious energy and mm. uh, enthusiasm and positivity, and, and it's just so refreshing. I know a little bit of your backstory, but for those that uh, that don't know any of it, take me to help us understand why you do this work. Like where, what triggered it for you that this was the kind of work you wanted to do? Was there an experience that was negative that you felt I got to devote my life to doing this sort of work? Was it something you just noticed you had a knack for? Kind of take us back to that and, and give us mm. a bit of your origin story. Mm. Hey, thanks. Appreciate that question. Um, back when... I was nine years old. I was a budding entrepreneur, right? And so I uh, borrowed a lawnmower because I don't think my dad had one. We always had somebody to mow the lawn for us. So I, I borrowed a lawnmower for somebody and tried uh, cutting grass, you know, thinking people would pay me for that. What I discovered, Jeff, was that, man, I have some intense allergies. <laughs> and one of them is to mown grass. Joey, why are you laughing when, you, when you're saying that? Well, because I didn't know, man. I, I just kind of grew up in a, in a family of people who, particularly my grandfather, my mother's dad, they just launch out there and do stuff. Um, you know, he milked dairy cows twice a day. He was a farmer. He and my grandmother ran a country store since they didn't have anything else to do, right? So, uh, <laughs> right. And so you, you just get out there and you try stuff and you do stuff. Well, I caught a, a bacterial infection in my lungs at that point because I was so allergic to mown grass. And while I had started taking allergy shots when I was two, 
I thought, you know, hey, this will be okay. Everything's fine. No, not so much. I wound up in Duke University Hospital and was there about a week. And during early on, like the first night or so, they put me under, um, I'm going to take you all the way back. For those of you who are under 40, go to YouTube and, and look at Marcus Welby. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, they put you under mistense back then. Now they administer uh, medications in different ways. But there was some medicine uh, being administered with the oxygen in this mist tent, Jeff. And turns out I was allergic to that too. We didn't know it at the time, right? Because life's this great big discovery mission. And so my Dr. Susan Dees was one of the most, uh, boy, she was compassionate. She was absolutely brilliant. One of the foremost asthma allergy pediatricians in the world. And I just happened to be under her care. However, her she was not on duty that night. A resident was. And so the resident told my mom, Ms. Fawcett, um, we don't know what's wrong with him. Uh, just hope and pray he makes it through the night. And so I heard that and man, even as a nine-year-old, that kind of penetrates your veneer. <laughs> right? yeah. This dude saying I might not make it. So uh, my mom reached under that mist tent, the edge <clears throat> of that Jeff and looked him in the eyes and said, Joey, I'm positive you're going to make it through the night. And I obviously did because I'm a little older than nine now. And uh, so I, uh, several things happened to me right then and there. That was, that was a transforming experience for me. I realized that I'm here for a reason and that uh, life is very fragile, more so than any of us realize. And so, man, you can be out of here pretty quickly. Uh, literally in the blink of an eye, whether it's a car accident or, or a bacterial infection in your lungs, right? So that really focused me. Um, by the way, it, it did not um, it did not exorcise my entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, I I then went on to sell inscribed Christmas cards door to door in August in Eastern North Carolina, where it's like 100 degrees with 100 humidity. Right. And, and made enough money to get a three speed bike, which is a top of technology. Then I'm just saying, Jeff, uh, tells you how long ago it was right. A cassette recorder cassettes had just come out then because everything else was eight tracks before that. And dude, I got a telescope so I could go out and look at stars and the moon and all this kind of stuff. It, it was absolutely awesome. So I just began pursuing what it was that, that I was put here to do. So fast forward a few years and another transforming experience that really set the course for where I am today, uh, maximizing potential, because if you're still here, it's for a reason, Jeff. And so you want to maximize that potential, right? You want to make your dent to use your words. So when I was uh, about 16 or 17 years old, uh, the, the country, the U.S. started slipping into a recession then. And the textile firm that my dad worked for, he was a data processing manager back then. So just think IT director, right? And uh, that company went bankrupt and they called dad home from a business trip to Baltimore, which at that time was a faraway place for me growing up in Eastern North Carolina. And, and said, and they just said to him, you know, we're sorry, you know, you don't have a job anymore. So being 16, 17 years old, I knew I wanted to go to college and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I never thought that I would just depend on dad to go out there and do it or somebody else or the government or whomever. It was just, what am I going to do? So I remember that nine-year-old kid who, you know, was still here for a reason and went and got a three-speed bike, a cassette player recorder and a telescope. And I said, well, let's figure it out. 
So I was narrating um, musicals uh, at that time for our church's youth choir. And we, we toured the Southeast and on up into Kentucky. And, and always, 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 Jeff, wherever we went, people come to me and say, man, I love your voice. I was just a kid when I started. I was like 14, something like that, 13 maybe when I started. Because I woke up when I was 12 with this voice, same voice. It took about six weeks to get here, but uh, <laughs> it was shaky at first, but it got here, right? And and so I, I just thought to myself in a burst of clarity, what can I do? Um, hey, people like the way I talk, so maybe I should go find a place to talk. Well, where do you find to go talk? Uh, how about the local radio station? And back then it was before all this amazing podcasting that you and I do existed. And uh, so it, they call it terrestrial radio or OTR, over, uh, OTA, over the air radio. And so I just went down to the local radio station and uh, went in and met with Bob Harper. And he says, oh, yeah, I've heard you narrate some things at church in worship. And I said, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, what can I do for you? I want a job. Do you have any experience? Uh, no, <laughs> but well, that didn't stop me. Nobody told me that you had to have experience to get things done, right? How do you get experience? You go out there and screw it up a few times, right? So I figured Mr. Harper was a kind guy. He'd let me come in and screw it up for a while. Two hours later, I came out of a production room, Jeff, with Jimmy Francis. Um, and, and I had a job, uh, it was minimum wage. Six months later, I had the number one afternoon drive show in all of Eastern North Carolina which is not like New York City or Philly, you know, where you are, but, but still it was, it was a pretty good sized market. So here I was 16, 17 years old on a hundred thousand watt FM station with number one afternoon drive show. And they were still paying me minimum wage, but I just found out it was the number one show about 10 years ago. So um, in that experience, I discovered, Hey, you're here for a reason. Um, you can, you can get things done. Adversity as Dr. Peel said, adversity contains within it, the seeds of opportunity. Right. And so I discovered that you don't have to just lay down that when you get knocked down, it's a great time to gather yourself, get up and go back at it. So those are two going back into my origin. Those are two pivotal transforming moments where I discovered, man, I'm here for a reason and I want to get busy and find out what it is. So that's where all that enthusiasm and energy that you, you said you find attractive yeah. uh, comes from. Yeah, I dig it. So when you fast forward from there, you know, mm -hmm. those, um, those formative early experiences, there's a, there's a gap that exists between those experiences and the point at which you start consulting companies, you start working with company culture, you start, uh, dealing in how to deal with negativity on teams, how to build dream sure. teams, uh, yeah. as I've heard you say before. So right. when you, when you collect up all of those things together, you look back at your early experiences and you take us into where you're starting to do this kind of work. What are mm -hmm. some of the early things that you found even though you had this base of experience, you have this positive outlook on life, you have this uh, way of feeling like you're here for a reason, you begin doing this work and obviously things don't go according to plan mm. right out of the gate, right? Because I, right. I think, yeah. um, and I've never even heard you say this, I don't think, but I, I'd imagine you share in the belief that we're made stronger by the things that don't go well for us, right? And, yeah, and that a lot of yeah. the reason why you've become good at the things you're doing is because of the times where you didn't do it so well. So I'm, mm. I'm curious about how, you kind of came um, in your early days, like what are some of the things that you found that you struggled with that you weren't prepared for when you began working with teams in, in this later stage of your career? Mm, thanks. Later, not as in later in, in the total scheme of your career, but I mean later than that. Right, right, right. Yeah, what was that transition? Well, here we should 
cue Kelly Clarkson. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? <laughs> and and so if I could sing and dance, I'd do it for you, but I'll spare you. Um, adversity contains within it the seeds of opportunity. So fast forward a little bit, and I'm in radio broadcasting, and I'm working for somebody besides Bob Harper. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I cracked the mic on my first air shift with these guys. And I mean, I got a pretty good sounding voice. People find it pleasant to listen to. I think I do a great job. Well, the guy's not even in the building and calls in. And I'm thinking, hey, man, first time I cracked the mic, somebody wants to talk to me. That's pretty cool. I answer it. And it's the general manager who <laughs> effectively, excuse the vernacular, rings me out. And, and tells me I got to do da 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 um, And I'm like, well, that didn't go well. And, and so that was my first foray into a truly toxic work environment. And it turned out that the whole company was that way. The owner was that way. You know, now that owner went on to be very successful. And if I called the market where uh, he has multiple stations, you would have heard of it, right? Um, but anyway, that was that first foray into negativity. So then I went to another station, found the same kind of toxic environment. So then I said, well, maybe it's all radio stations are that way, which was a great big brush that I should have used a trim brush and gone and found because there's tons of broadcasters back then and now who have positive work cultures, right? But I didn't. So I went and did a master's degree. Um, well, actually, I went on into college and and started leading. I was manager of a radio station, program director. And so I began to learn myself what it's like to lead and, and manage people. Jeff, what I defaulted to was what I experienced with those other two stations. And I call that Kevin culture um, because we got to call it something, right? So I'm a boomer, right? And Karen gets all the press, but I decided <laughs> we're going to give equal air time to Kevin here. And and Kevin culture just sucks, man. It's the working dad. And, and so you're just there uh, quiet quitting way before it became a popular term. So what I did was I discovered that, hey, I was a Kevin manager. I was a Kevin culture manager too. And man, I didn't like that about myself. I'm just like, you're stupid. This is not, you know, your inner critic does to you. You're just passing on what you got at what you were trying to lead. So it was an opportunity again for me to pivot from adversity. So eventually I did a master's degree, began leading nonprofit organizations where you primarily work with volunteers. And so here was an opportunity where I really sharpened my positive work culture skills Jeff. And that was because when you can't fire somebody, you know, you can't hire somebody because they're all volunteers, right? But you attract persons who are committed to a mission and their everyday intangible paycheck task must connect with the overall mission of that organization or else they're just going to go away and you're, you're not going to have anybody to help you achieve your mission. Man, that's where I learned. And so I did that for about 20 years in different environments, uh, coastal North Carolina, mountains of North Carolina, and then here in central Piedmont area of Virginia. And it was astounding. I, I learned a ton. And that's when I really came into my own sense of leadership style and discovered how to create a positive work culture. Now, the 07, 08 recession, the Great Recession, right, uh, was another opportunity for me because 
the work I was doing with companies, then all the training and development money went away. You know, nobody was holding speaking engagements. Nobody could do workshops anymore. So that's when I really hunkered down and began research into those guys I call the Great Depression gurus who created businesses during the Great Depression when it was an economic instead of a medical term, right? And those companies thrive today. So what did they do? So I took that basis of experience I had over 20 years, said, okay, what am I doing right? What am I doing that works? Now let me learn from others and checked out people like Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard with HP, uh, Dale Carnegie, uh, Colonel Harlan, he became a Colonel, Harlan Sanders. Um, you know, just a whole host of George Mahurl started State Farm in 22. And then, you know, just a few short years later, boom, there's a Great Depression that would have sucked the life and energy and money out of all the rest of us. But Mahurl continued. So that's when I learned from them, layered that in, integrated that with what I had learned. And that's when it really got to be fun. Can you tell me a little bit? Um, I want to I want to ask you a question after this, but I, I want to set the groundwork. So you had mentioned a toxic work culture. Kevin, right. uh, Kevin culture or Kevin, Kevin managers. Culture. Right. And then you've mentioned also sort of what it is to be in a positive work environment. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm curious if you can just kind of briefly touch on some of the things that are indicative of either of those sort of work environments. Like what, what is a, a Kevin manager? What is a toxic culture in the way that, you know, because you're working in these environments, trying to turn maybe one to another or, or level up from one to another. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. A lot of times there are, we have words that we feel like we understand or terms that we use and throw around. But I'm curious, given that you're actually working in these environments, how would you define a toxic work environment? Um, and how would you define one that's positive and, and set up for success? Right. Hey, great question. Let me, uh, let me describe the qualities of a positive work culture and let your listeners do the antithesis in their mind because they've already got their own narratives <laughs> around that and it's going to be real easy for them to ping pong off of what I'm going to describe. So, uh, and, and we have, look, we have coaching programs online and things like that to help establish a common jargon and way of describing these sorts of things. So your question is spot on. Um, basically, we talk about five core practices and the first one has to do with mindset. What's the mental dynamic of a work positive culture? Uh, I refer to that as the perceive core practice because it's all about how you perceive it. So you exercise your mind muscle and focus on the positive and filter out the negative. Now, let me be really clear about something here uh, because there's a, a professor up at Harvard's med school that talks about the tyranny of positivity. And just this week, I signed up a new executive coaching client uh, who came to me because his previous coach would just look at him and he's in an industry that's taking a bloodbath right now. Okay. It's the mortgage industry. And he, and he looks at me and he says, I'm just tired of being told to stay positive. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I would be too, you know, if, if I were in your industry. So when you perceive and you're focusing on the positive and filtering out the negative, it is not some Pollyanna, Hey, just be positive. Everything's rainbows and unicorns, right? No, it's not that at all. It's, Focusing on the positive, choosing to focus on the positive, right? Because there's always something that's going right. And so how do I focus on that? And filtering out the negative. The negative exists. I mean, sometimes, especially in the mortgage industry right now, it's crappy. It, it's just, again, a bloodbath. They're, they're dying out there because there's no inventory. I mean, we can give all the lists, right? 
but you want to focus on the positive and filter out the negative. And that's one of the things the Great Depression gurus did. That's one of the, the skill sets that I began to develop. And so that first core practice is perceive, and that's mindset, Jeff. Uh, the second, and your listeners are already doing the antithesis of that because you know somebody who, <laughs> who doesn't focus on the positive. They, those people that focus you on no the negatives and you filter out the positives is obviously the antithesis <laughs> of that. Yeah, yeah. nothing's ever right. Uh, so that leads us to the second core practice, which is all about relationships. And I refer to this as the conceive because it takes two for conception, right? So we're talking about a social dynamic here. Um, and that is the ability to focus on positive people and how to build dream teams, as we were talking about, there are five key characteristics that we have of work positive dream teams. But more to the individual point, how do you deal with negative people at work without becoming one yourself? Because as my favorite business philosopher, Jim Rohn was fond of saying, you're the average of the five persons with whom you spend the most time. Well, dude, you work 70% of your waking hours. So guess who you're with? You, you see your work partners more than you see your life partner, right? And you're just spending more time with them. So how do you manage those relationships? How do you deal with negative people without becoming one yourself and build out these work positive dream teams? So that's perceived, mentally, conceived, socially. The third is believe. And this is the emotional engagement. So just like I was talking about a moment ago, the, the thing that I learned in leading non-profit volunteer organizations was I've got to connect for engagement purposes. I've, I've got to make sure that everybody on my team connects their daily tasks and activities, which of course we want alignment with their own purpose and passion, right? But we got to make sure that those daily activities connect with what the company's doing and they see them, their role in the larger piece. In other words, what's your piece of the puzzle that's filling out the whole company here? We call that equity of exchange. And when you, be, because what's in it for me, well, am I cutting stones or am I building a cathedral? you know, based on that old story. So uh, I, we just got to make sure the equity of exchange is strong and that's emotional. Now, Jeff, when Gallup finds that 85% of all American workers say they're disengaged, we're not doing a real good job of creating a culture that emotionally engages people. And just think of the innovation and creativity that's lost, the competitive advantage of this country historically, and really in other countries too, around the world. So we perceive it, Mentally, we conceive it socially, we believe it emotionally. The fourth core practice is achieve it physically. You know, you can work on your mind and please do every day. And we've got some specific tactics to help you with that. You can work on your relationships, specific tactics again to help you do that. You can work on your emotional engagement to make sure that connectedness exists between daily task and company mission. We, we can help you with that. But until you act, I, I, we can't do that for you. I mean, I'm a culture architect, but I cannot take your hands and build the company within which you live. So it's up to you. Now I can give you all sorts of productivity tips. I can, you know, help you discover your own productivity style because it's unique for everyone. Um, but that company culture has got to be based on action. Something's got to happen and keep going forward. So the fifth and final one is a bit surprising. I was doing it intuitively. I didn't realize the Great Depression gurus did it. And I refer to that one as the receive core practice. And that's an ethical, because when you achieve positive results, which you do with those first four core practices, if you do those, you're going to be successful, however it is you define success. Then I think there's an ethical imperative for you to recognize 
hey, these people are exchanging their hard-earned money for the product or service that we're producing. How do I express gratitude to them? How do I say thank you to them? How do I serve them? And that them is a larger community as well. How do I give back to my community of people? How do I make my community a better place to live? How do I, you know, make sure people have enough to eat, enough to wear? You know, how do I go into school systems and read books to kids? You know, how do I give back in such a way? Now, that's really the, the axle grease, if you will, that turns that whole thing back to perceive. Because, Jeff, when you're giving, and we've talked about this before on Rogue, from me to we, when you're giving to others, man, that jazz is just the most beautiful improvisation. And the harmonies are just, ooh, it's rich. I got chill bumps just thinking about it. Because I'm, I'm no longer concerned with me and mine my narcissism lessens, my ego is in check, man, I'm as concerned for you and your results as I am mine. And that then boosts that culture. And then you're off to the races and just having a ball. I love it. I love, and I love that you broke it down into such a clear framework. Um, I'm a huge fan of frameworks and step-by-step processes. So uh, thank you for that. I want to ask you one more question before I take us into the shareables and then uh, wrap us up because we only have a little bit of time together today, but I can tell you, I I said this on every time we've ever talked, I've said, I can talk to you for hours, Dr. Joey. Um, You ask great questions, man. You really do. Oh, thank you. Again, I, I, I do the whole show based on just genuine curiosity. I just want to know stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I love when people come on and they're generous enough to share it all. Um, Mm -hmm. one thing that I had a question for you about, Mm -hmm. um, that, that I want to, and, and this, uh, this line of questioning on, and then go into the shareables, Mm -hmm. but you had brought up working with negative people and you had talked Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, uh, focusing on the positive and, um, filtering out the negative. And I guess the, the, uh, final piece I wanted to hear your take on is the value of negativity. Where do you see the impact and importance of being negative, of playing devil's advocate, of um, mm-hmm. you know, even the stoic practice of negative thinking, like taking it all the way down to the root of how bad things could get? Like, do you see and how do you incorporate um, negativity into the process of creating a positive work culture? Mm-hmm. Man, great question. So let me take that question apart a little bit. Um Negativity, as, as I'm describing it, is more feeling and emotion driven than it is anything else. Yes, I think, uh, for instance, worst case scenario planning, I think that's important. I think having a collaborative experience in which anybody can disagree with the leader and not fear for a reprisal of their job. I mean, that's the ultimate way to belong, right? I know that I can express an opinion. I'm not going to be made fun of or worse yet. I'm not going to be fired. That's safety right there. Yeah, exactly, dude. It's total safety. So, and, and that comes from a place of respect and belonging. And in my mind, Jeff, and, and the way I see it working on teams, if everybody's got the same answer, if everybody's agreeing, all of you are unnecessary except for one. And I can tell you who that one's going to be. It's going to be the leader, right? He's going to make sure he, he or she stays around, right? So, so that that toxic negativity that we're talking about is more emotion and feeling. Now, when uh, so, I encourage you to consider a whole host of outcomes for whatever it is you're doing. Let's say, all right, what's the worst thing that can happen? Let's say Chicken Little's right, the sky really is falling. What are we going to do when the sky falls? Right? You've got to to do that kind of worst case scenario planning as a part of your scenario planning. However, with the negative toxicity, which is so emotional and feeling, here's the phrase that pays, observe without participating. 
observe without participating. Just because somebody puts a snake on the table in front of me does not mean I'm going to pick that snake up because, dude, I am not a fan of snakes. Now, I live, as you know, on a little farm. <laughs> and so we see snakes. <laughs> but is that uh, like I, um, for me that, that a lot of that comes from childhood and watching Raiders of the Lost Ark? Where you <laughs> that 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 movie screwed me up as it relates to snakes. I, I just never. Oh, man, it. dude, I, I, I get it. And Indy saying, why did it have to be snakes? Right? Yeah, <laughs> I get it for me. I go back to being about four or five years old. And this, my mother was going to take me outside to play. And this snake was draped along the side porch, covered the whole porch and head. It, it was down one set of steps and tail down the others. So it's a visceral reaction. Yeah. Oh, I can, talking. I can feel that. Yeah. Um, you just made snakes. me think of something though. Um, uh -huh. You know who Cy Wakeman is? I've heard the name, but I'm not coming with a face. She's right got now. a, uh, uh, her podcast, I think, is called No Ego. But I, I saw her wow. speak at an NSA event, and mm -hmm. she shared three questions that I feel like you'd really love. And I'm going to share them here um, oh, because I, I, I think you're really going to like them. Um, in When a situation, something's negative, something's going on, she encourages right. these three questions. What do I know for sure? So it's like really trying to step back and take a look at what's actually going on. So Second, you're observing, right? Yep. Second, how can I help? So what mm. can I do to actually be involved and make it better? And then the third, what would great look like? So mm. trying to imagine the best possible scenario there. And I actually have that on my right. phone. That's why I was reaching down here. I have it on my phone under a, a little button called mindset rescue. So when oh. I'm toiling about Love in it. a sort of negative space where I'm feeling like I can't filter out the negative and focus on the positive, where I feel like mm. all I'm seeing is the negative and I can't yeah. even see the positive. Right. I will do that. I will hit that button and bring up those questions and force myself to actually think through those. Mm. Um, what do I know for sure? How can I help? And what would great look like? And I found that it's always really useful um, because I think in some cases we're in a negative space. Something really bad did mm -hmm. happen. Maybe somebody said mm -hmm. something to somebody that was disrespectful or not okay. Mm -hmm. There's a value in interrogating that, looking at that, working through that and and you know, sometimes healing on the other side of that, you can be a stronger mm. team. So I think there's a lot of value yeah. in the negativity there. Oh, and, and some of the things you said made me think of that, uh, that yeah, set of questions cool. from Cy Wakeman. Yeah. Well, you don't want to get trapped in negativity and that's what happens. I don't know. Call it human nature, put the, put the onus wherever you want to. But if you ever notice when one person starts talking negative, it becomes a dog pile, like yep. in 30 seconds. It's just like, yeah, let me tell you about Joey as a boss, you know, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just a freaking dog pile. And, and pretty soon you, you can't walk out the door because you're on your hands and knees and you're rolling around on the floor and you're like, oh, everything's terrible. Yeah. So I don't know why that is. So, man, just observe it without participating in it. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to uh, get us into the shareables. But before okay. I do that, I just want to ask you, what do you think if you were to kind of wrap up? We only got to touch on like, I feel like one one hundredth of the things that we could talk about with regard to <laughs> this, because this is an interest we both share, culture and leadership and mm. interpersonal relationships and effective communication, all those sorts of things and, and positivity sure. uh, yes. in, in how we deal with one another and, and ourselves <laughs> finding what we want to do. But if you had to wrap up just the things we got to talk about here today into a single kind of clear takeaway that you would want people to walk away a lesson a mantra, an idea that they can walk away from this episode with, what would you say that is? Yeah, well, that phrase that pays observe without participating is one of my favorites. I, uh, I, man, I've used that for years and, and learned that from, by the way, Ed Friedman, whose book Generation Generation, I don't think it's in print anymore, but um, 
it's an organizational psychology kind of piece that really helped me out a lot. Um, I, I guess the other thing is, Jeff, for me, the perceived core practice is first for a reason. Um, it all starts and stops in your head, this whole notion of work culture. And so whether it's positive or negative, it's starting and it's stopping in your head. So if you will just find one way, like for you, it's a button on your phone and you got those three questions in front of you. And so that's like a lifeline you're sending yourself, right? When you, when, but now Jeff, you're really self-aware, but, but you know, maybe when somebody holds up the mirror to you, if you're not as self-aware as Jeff, somebody holds up the mirror to you and say, dude, what's wrong? You know, then you go, uh oh, I've gone there again. So then you open it up on your phone, but just find some way of rescuing yourself to, to make, because when you get so deep into your ego, I mean, this, this cave person bringing up here is, is just, man, it's fighting for its life, right? Cause you're marching off the map and things just aren't going your way. Just find a way to throw yourself a lifeline and to know you have a choice. So if I could give you a gift today, that would be it, Jeff. You have a choice about your thoughts. So choose wisely. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I want to take us into shareables and I want to get through this, uh, uh, with your recommendations quickly, because okay. I want to leave time at the end. I have this one little okay. thing I do at the end, and I okay. am so curious to hear how you do this. Um, so here are the shareables. The idea, I am too, not yeah. knowing your question. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the idea behind the shareables is that, you know, we share things on social media. We share things with people in our lives when we're at dinner, sure. and it's just recommendations. So uh, first thing is, what's something you've read that you would recommend people read? Bob Johansson uh, was a guest on the Work Positive podcast, and uh, I've been a fanboy of his for years. So to get to interview him, and they were putting together a course also. Bob Johansson, Office Shock. That book will literally revolutionize where you are in understanding work. Because I think we're, and this is something we can talk about on another episode if you want to, I think we're going through the great redefinition of work right now. Hopefully. And Bob's book takes you in that direction. Love Office it. Shock by Bob Office Johansson. Shock. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, what is something that you've listened to that you would recommend? It could be music. It could be an audiobook, It could be a podcast up to you. I'm on it, man. Uh, Bonnie Raitt won a Grammy, the 65th Grammy for song of the year and also for American roots song of the year. And the song title is just like that. And I just want to encourage you to go to YouTube and, and click on it. The, the lyrics are there, get the official video version. Man, first time I listened to it, I I don't mind telling you, I'm a sentimental old fool. It just, whoo, misty, misty. I didn't even begin to describe it. I was pouring tears. <laughs> it's a great song. Love it. Bonnie I'm going to add that to my list. I will, yeah. I will oh, listen to that day when I go pick up my wife and uh, daughter from yeah. school and work. I'm going to put them and throw that on. Oh, please do. Cause your wife will appreciate it much more than you. Cause she likes American <laughs> roots music, right? That's true. <laughs> she does love the country music. Yeah. R A I T T Bonnie Raitt. Just awesome. like that. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'll add it to the list. Uh, what's something you've watched that you would recommend? It could be a TV show. It could be a movie. It could be a YouTube video. It could be a Ted talk. It's up to you. I uh, grew up a baseball nut and, and still love playing baseball. My dad played uh, in high school. So, you know, every little boy looks up to his dad, right? So I played, go, they have their own YouTube channel. Go watch Jesse Cole and the Savannah Bananas play a baseball game. You are in for a treat. I don't care if you like baseball. It doesn't have anything to do with baseball. He wrote a book called Fans First and then his latest books just come out this week, uh, Banana Ball. Um, he's the guy in the yellow tuxedo. Yellow suit. Yeah. I feel yes. like I've seen him. Every, everybody knows that guy. 
Yeah, yeah everybody knows that guy. Uh, they only had a waiting list of, they're on a 33 city US tour right now. Uh, they only had a waiting list of over 500,000 people wanting to. Oh, that's it? Uh, only 500,000? Oh, God. Yeah, well, they'll get to that any minute. But, but yeah, really. <laughs> but I, I interviewed him for the Work Positive podcast and his wife, Emily, who uh, is a true success story in her own right. Uh, so just watch the Savannah Bananas on, on YouTube. It's live. What a what an experience. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, final question on the shareables is what's something you've learned that uh, you'd like to share with people? This could be anything. Usually I don't look for life lessons here. I look for something kind of a little different, little quirky, a little like, hey, I thought of this and I Googled it. And wow, that's interesting. What do you got for us? You don't have to say everything you're thinking. That was like one of the best days of my life ever. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I've been married 40 years to the same woman. That's the key to that success, as well as, be, you know, being an incredible leader with so many great people that I had the pleasure of working with around the world. Um, there's a difference between a response and a reaction. And so often when somebody says something to us, we react and we give them what they gave us only times two or 10 or a hundred or however much we can muster up. And usually it's something negative. But if you just take a second and breathe and then respond, and this is Cy Wakeman's third question, by the way, how can I make this great? Right? Yeah. So let me just respond because you don't know what, the other person's going through. We're all just trying to figure it out. Maybe the dog peed on his favorite pair of shoes that morning and couldn't I'd wear them in a match that outfit. Yeah, I'd be, yeah so, really. I'd be so upset. I love my favorite shoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's why when the first time we met, we were doing this dance before we did a podcast. I said to you, Jeff, I'm like your favorite pair of shoes. I just smell better. And you lit up like a Christmas tree. That's what that's it was, what it right? is. It's because my dog peed on my favorite shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Dr. Yeah. Joey, where can, uh, where can people go and get in touch with you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they find out more about you? Where can they listen to your podcast and find out about your courses and your resources? Shameless self-promotion begins now. <laughs> well, you know, it's not about me. It's about we. So wherever you're listening to Shareable right now, you can listen to the Work Positive Podcast. Uh, because wherever finer podcasts are heard, <laughs> that's where we that's where we are, right, Jeff? So uh, exactly. Jeff and I share space together, and wherever it is you do that, Spotify or you know iTunes, whatever you listen to, uh, I have the pleasure of interviewing um, some of the smartest people in the world, like Jeff Gibbard, um, just amazing people, right? And uh, so you can find out all about work culture, and you can hear about the struggles uh, that we all have, right? Because I got some like people from Wharton uh, School of Business and Duke's Fuqua School of Business to Bob Johansson. And then we got people out there in the field who are practicing it every day, building a positive work culture, supporting families, right? And uh, so you can listen to Work Positive Podcast there. Workpositive.today is the website where you can go. I, there's a free course there just because I got so overwhelmed by so many people's negativity right now. And it's a worldwide recession. I was talking with a client today in a country on the continent of Africa, Jeff, their, their uh, inflation rate, 53% over there. I, I can't imagine living in that kind of environment and trying to do business. I mean, it, it's crazy. So um, something to talk about is a free course on our website. If you just go to workpositive.today, scroll down to the bottom, you'll see it right there. Uh, just put your email address in there. And by the way, the only way we're doing that is so we can set you up an account. I'm not going to spam you, I promise. 
Uh, we love you and we want you to love us. So, we're, you know, and to smile every time you get something from us. So there's six modules in there, which really help change the polarity of conversations in a work culture. So you can get that there. And the Work Positive in a Negative World Team Edition book, whether you read it digitally on your Kindle or your Nook, it's only 99 cents right now. And, uh, and until things turn around a little bit economically, because most people depend on the economic conditions to turbocharge their work because they haven't quite learned how to work positive and set that focus on the positive yet. Um, we're just going to leave it at 99 cents. However, I don't know when the publisher is going to pull it off 99 cents. So probably want to go ahead and get it as soon as you can. Awesome. Awesome. Strongly advise all of you out there in the shareable community to go and look at the stuff that Dr. Joe is doing. Uh, Dr. Joe, you and I met what, I don't know, five, six months ago, and we've just been homies ever since. And Absolutely. I just, I just appreciate you. I appreciate your energy. I appreciate you coming onto my shows, uh, having me on yours. Um, the, the emails that we share back and forth, you're just, you're the real deal. You're a good dude. And, um, and I really think that everyone should be following what you're doing. <clears throat> Thank you, buddy. Now, um, sorry, a little frog got in my throat there. Um, the <laughs> the way I like to close out shareable though is on a, uh -huh. a tip of gratitude. So this is where oh, I want to uh, have you do the thing. So I like to close out on gratitude. I want you to think of a lovable leader from your life, someone who exhibited care, someone who you trusted, who in the midst of setting big goals for you made you feel safe along the way. And I'm going to mute myself and I'm going to fade into the background. If you're comfortable with it, take a moment to speak directly to them and thank them for their leadership in your life. Tell them what they did and how they made an impact on you. Well, I mentioned Bob Harper earlier, Mr. Harper. Uh, here I am, 16, 17 years old. Dad's company's gone bankrupt. I don't know how I'm going to pay for college. You know, the only thing I was supposed to be concerned about was zits and girls, right? And and so, um, man, my world got turned upside down. And he welcomed me from the first moment I stepped through the door. He made time for me. Um, he didn't know what I wanted. I didn't have any experience and yet under his tutelage, he just brought out the best in me. And like I said, in six months, I had the number one afternoon drive show in all of Eastern North Carolina. Um, so Bob, thanks. I, I actually have been to see Bob recently to say thank you. Uh, Bob's in his mid to later eighties now. And of course, none of us know how long we're going to be here, Jeff, but, uh, certainly the longer we live, the less time we have. So I just took advantage of it and went to see Bob and say, Hey, here's the impact you made on my life. He shaped me. He formed me. He helped me believe in myself, um, and that my superpowers were worth cultivating. He surrounded me with, uh, positive people and himself was positive. Uh, he corrected me, you know, made my mistakes, uh, you know, things that seem like a good idea in my head, but then when they come out of my mouth, you know, that didn't sound quite as good on air as I thought it would. <laughs> so, so he always came to me and, and nudged me in the right direction. And uh, I'm better for the experience with Bob Harper. So Mr. Harper, thank you. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message or hit me up on social media. I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. 
Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibbard.com. That link, as well as every other link mentioned, will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.